Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Derek Halpenny, Head of Research Global Markets EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday, October 27th, 2023. And joining Derek to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Simon Mays, Head of UK, Ireland and Swiss Corporate Sales. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only, and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Afternoon, Jake. Really good to see you. And you, Simon. So it's been a week we had moves higher in 10-year US Treasury bond yields up to 5%. More strong US data, an ECB policy meeting, um, which no balance sheet policy change was hinted at. Yet euro dollar rate is basically unchanged from a week ago. So are you surprised by this? And, and what do you think lies behind that? Um, yeah, definitely uh, more evidence of of resilience for sure. Um, you know, it's been a little bit back and forth, to be honest, because at the, at the start of the week, we had the rally up towards 107. It was looking like we had a breakout of a, of a, of a trend channel, which was looking, you know, pretty significantly bullish for euro dollar. But then as, as sharply as we jumped higher, we reversed the other way pretty quickly as well. And technically then we started to look quite, uh, quite bearish but yeah you know we've we've bounced again uh into the end of this week and uh as you said simon it's um it does stand out to, to answer your question um i think you mentioned that the five percent u.s treasury yield for the 10-year and i guess the fact that well we failed on monday then we rebounded back up and we basically failed again close to 5% yesterday. So I think the, the price action, although yields are, are are high and generally have been supported for the dollar, I think the fact that we've had now two failures of, um, of the 5% level, um, it, it is potentially indicative of a market that is becoming a lot better priced for the current macro backdrop. Again, you mentioned the GDP report, 4.9% uh, quarter on quarter annualized, about 0.6 percentage points stronger than expected. I guess on that though, and we, we said this ahead of the report as well, probably more important was the breakdown of the report in terms of what it indicates going forward rather than the actual print itself. So while it was stronger than expected, when you look at the breakdown, it was consumption-led, which was fully expected, so 4% consumption growth. Uh, and then the other big component was, was inventories. And certainly from an inventory perspective, you'd expect um, that to be some of that to be liquidated and potentially inventories to be a drag on growth in the fourth quarter. If you then consu- uh, assume that consumption at that growth rate is just not sustainable, which, which is what we think, you're in for a much slower fourth quarter. The consensus before the print was 0.7%. Uh, and then 0% for Q1 of next year. So we're not a million miles from technical recession territory based on those consensus. And the fact that the breakdown of the GDP didn't really alter the expectation, I think was another reason why perhaps yields uh, fail to kind of follow through on the back of the, the, the strong data. So there's there's that. I think also there might be a sense of the markets thinking 
we're not getting the full picture from the official data. I'm kind of maybe, you know, guessing a little bit here because there's no pure evidence of that. But a couple of examples, Bill Ackman, obviously, which resulted in the, the, the drop in yields when he said he was cutting it short. He explicitly said that he felt the U.S. economy or the official data wasn't revealing the full extent of possible slowdown materializing. Um, Philly Fed Harker said the same thing uh, last Friday, where he said his sources were telling him that um, the economy was slowing faster than the official data was indicating. So I think you've got those examples. Um, and then we did our own analysis, text analysis on the Beige Book report. And we pulled out all the information in relation to the U.S. consumer. So any references in what is a very big document, we pulled out all of those references and then we, we have a sentiment indicator based on that. And it was the worst sentiment since um, since the onset of the pandemic. So even given the strong consumption data we had yesterday in the GDP, the Beige Book last week was indicating, in actual fact, uh, more forward-looking descriptions of the consumer would be that essentially the, the, the sentiment is, is pretty negative. So... All of that, I think, and possibly, as I said at the beginning, a sense that at 5% we're fully priced for the macro backdrop, I think, um, is is good reasons for not having the follow-through. Um, another point from an FX perspective is the fact that we've broken 150 on dollar yen this week, but we didn't get dollar buying follow-through on the back of the break higher. Again, indicative of a market, perhaps, that is long the dollar and levels that reflect a good indication, a good kind of sense of, of where we are in terms of the macro backdrop. Um, and, and yeah, you know, maybe long dollar positioning. We're going into the weekend. If markets are de-risking on geopolitical risks, even if an escalation in the Middle East would be dollar positive next week, if you're long dollar and you think that might not happen, well, then you might have um, you know, you know, you might be willing to to cut those positions. So I think those those factors may have kind of contributed to this resilience on on uh, on, on the euro. Thank you very much. Uh, next week, another hectic week for the markets as well. So we've got BOJ, uh, FOMC, uh, and the Bank of England as well, all holding policy meetings. So, so how do you think these are going to play out, and, and what might the FX response be to those? Um. Yeah, like a, a, a very important week. And and yeah, just to go back, I, I, we, we also had the ECB this week and, you know, they were quite cautious in their messaging. And of course, there was no indication of even a discussion taking place in terms of balance sheet expansion. So I think we are getting more signs of caution from the major central banks and perhaps they're thinking the transmission mechanism is feeding into the markets more quickly than they had originally anticipated. And I think we might get that next week from the Fed on Wednesday and then from the Bank of England on, on Thursday. So uh, I think from the perspective of the Fed and the BOE, uh, I wouldn't expect too much in terms of surprises. And I would imagine Powell's communication on Wednesday will be similar to the speech he gave um, in New York last week where he did emphasize that transmission mechanism and therefore they, they wanted time to assess the impact. I would imagine the Bank of England will do the same because the data has been uh, worsening since the last meeting. The labour market in particular, we're starting to see job losses um, materialise. Uh, and I would imagine that's probably quicker than what the BOE were originally anticipating. Uh, 
um, and inflation for the for the UK from the Bank of England's perspective has come in slightly less than what they were forecasting in August. So I think from those two central banks, um, caution and, and no change in policy. I've left the BOJ to, to comment last because if there is a surprise next week, I think it's going to come from the BOJ. We have seen an increased anticipation of the potential for a change um, in policy. That was reported in the Nikkei newspaper last weekend. So that's resulted in a, in a pickup in expectations about a change um, from the BOJ. And they, they make their announcement on Tuesday, um, Halloween. I think we've had some surprises from the BOJ in the past on Halloween. So um, th- there is a chance. Um, I we, we would pro- probably put it at about a a 30% probability of another tweak to YCC. Um, Inflation data from Tokyo today was stronger than expected. Um, We've also had significantly, after some poor election results, uh, Prime Minister Kishida announcing uh, a further extension of subsidies for natural gas, Uh, electricity and gasoline prices. And then on top of that, uh, a tax giveaway uh, that is expected to hit the economy in June of next year. So from the BOJ's perspective, you know, they look at these measures, certainly it's more stimulus, it's inflationary, all else equal. And given the Tokyo inflation data, given the Rengo um, trade union has announced they're going to advise their their uh, union organisations to push for at least five percent increase in wages uh, in the shunta negotiations early next year. You combine all of that, and you do have reasons why they could um, act sooner rather than later. And of course, the JGB ten-year yield is moving up towards the new one percent limit. So if they want to avoid getting up to that limit, they could widen it by a further 50 basis points just to reflect market moves. Um, So I think if that happens, but then, say, for example, the BOJ actively buy JGBs in the day or two after the announcement, similar to what happened in July, then I think the the fallout would probably be relatively limited. Um, But if it was like last December, um, where there was a, a big reaction um, with not much uh, response in the immediate aftermath, then you could have a bigger a bigger reaction. And then the biggest reaction of all would come, obviously, if they removed the negative interest rate at the short end in terms of the policy rate at minus 10 basis points. I don't expect that to happen. But if it did happen, as well as a YCC change, that would be very, very significant. And we would see potentially a 3 5% drop in, um, in dollar-yen. Like dollar-yen's dropping now. It's dropped back below 150. So the idea that the BOJ would be pressured to act because of yen weakness is obviously diminishing based on the price action this afternoon. And if dollar-yen remains below 150 into the meeting on Tuesday, you might see some of the speculation about uh, uh, action being taken receding. Um, and, and again, we think it's more plausible for the BOJ to wait uh, and to change YCC at the January meeting when they'll have a bit more of an idea in terms of how the wage uh, negotiation issue is is unfolding for the fiscal year beginning in, in April 2024. Thank you. And finally, something we always like to, to try and cover at the end of these podcasts. Um, do you have any update on your uh, trading views that you publish in the FX Weekly? Yeah, we're you know we're we're not ha- we're having a mixed year is the way I would describe it relative to previous years. We're kind of we go through some good spells and bad spells, and we're kind of flipping back and forth between 
uh, profitable trades and lost trades. And we, we put on a short sterling ad trade idea last week. Um, you know, we thought crude oil energy prices higher, the BOC maybe could lean a little bit more hawkishly in their announcements uh, this week. And of course, we you know we, we we think with the macro backdrop in the UK that the pound will, will remain under downward pressure. It didn't really work out that way. The BOC changed the statement uh, when they released their announcements or when they re- released that statement on 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 Wednesday, and the description of the economy was certainly a lot. Uh, more negative than it was in the previous statement. So dollar CAD has had a, a, a jump higher. And then you have that resilience in euro that I mentioned. It's similar for sterling um, to a lesser degree because euro sterling has moved a bit higher, but um, you still have that cable resilience to a degree. And that means, uh, you know, sterling CAD has moved against us. Um, and I just thought we broke the 200-day moving average in sterling CAD uh, yesterday. So just technically, it looks it doesn't look as favourable anymore um, for a move lower. So uh, we've cut that position. So we're flat at the moment. Um, we'll see how the resilience of of you know euro and sterling is next week. If the dollar is still at these levels or weaker, that could be the moment where we are encouraged into starting to look at um, US dollar short trade ideas. Thank you very much, Derek. I wish you and our listeners a good weekend. Thanks, Simon, and you. Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review and subscribe and reach out to your MUFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.